0: We're going to be in the book of Acts, if you want to kind of find your way there, chapter 6 and then chapter 7. We're going to talk about a young man named Stephen. Uh, but before I get there, i just tell you real quick, we, our second day in Scotland, you've got to remember, we took a risk to go there because they drive on the wrong side of the road and you can't get an automatic. So I've got a stick shift, so I'm on the right side of the car with a stick shift to my left hand. And so you're driving on the left side of the road, where I'm normally on the right side of the road, and Kim's job was to constantly say, stay left, stay left, stay, (laughs) honey, which way? Stay left, stay left. I mean, literally, and I needed it. We had some near-death experiences, without exaggerating. I'm I'm not, I mean, I'm talking just driver error uh, on my part, uh, wrong side of the road, and so, you know, that doesn't go well. But, so we get there, our intentions is to write a book, well, you got to have a computer. To have a computer, you got to have power. Well, it's European plugs. I knew that, but I took the wrong plugs with me. I took the South African plugs, uh, not the not the UK plug. So I can't use my computer. You can't write a book without a computer. I mean, you could. I tried that the first time, and it's I write in tongues, and so it just doesn't. So we call home they search the internet they find one town that sells adapters and it's of course has to be a bigger town Perth and I don't want to go to bigger towns because it's more traffic and more their roads are tiny and so so we say I've oh, got to get the adapters. so we go to Perth stay left stay left stay left stay left. and the GPS brings us to a dead end in a town center so it's it used to be a road but now it's blocked off you just walk So I'm stuck. I got nowhere to park. And there's just this spot right there with a cop car and a spot. And I'm like, wow, God provided. Hallelujah. Note to self, when in big city, you find an empty spot that nobody else has parked in, probably not the right place to park. So I parked there, but I'm insecure. So it's a rougher part of town. And so people are coming. I said, sir, sir, can I park here? I mean, I thought i had this on camera, you couldn't have believed this. It was just like, he looked at me, goes, what? Park where he, he goes, man. I don't even drive. I don't know where you can park. So he walks on, and so this lady comes walking up with her little buggy, and she's obviously not the sharpest knife in the drawer. And uh, I said, "Man, is it okay to park here?" And she goes, "Oh, I I don't know. I don't. But let." And so she goes into the store, and she's calling for people to come figure out this big American, you know, wants to park here and the thing, and and. And that, so I, there's a taxi cab. Got to come up to him. He's up in front. I said, Sir, sir, is this okay to park here? And he said, Dude, I'm not even from here. I'm just a taxi driver. So now I'm over the edge, and I'm just, so this guy sees my trauma and he comes up. He goes, You can't park there. I go, Thank you. He said, There's a yellow line, you'll get a ticket. I said, Okay, he said, Let me help you. So he helps me. It's a one way street. They're driving by. I've got to go across the street. So there's an open spot. I pull in. He comes waving his arms No, no, you can't park here. They'll give you a ticket. It's this handicapped parking place. And so, okay, I got to move. So I'm now, um, cars are coming by. And, and I got a parallel park with cars. So I park, and he's screaming at me, No, no, you got a tire on the curb. They'll give you a ticket. Because I went up on the curb. The parallel parking is a little rusty, the bounce out of the thing. So <laughs> So now I'm so exhausted. And, and then he says, you better get a parking ticket on there. You'll get a ticket. And so I went to the machine. The credit card doesn't work. I don't have the right change. I end up spending like 20 bucks for 20 minutes. Because I could, you can't get money back out of the machine. I'm shaking the machine. I want change. I just So I got 20 minutes to make a run into this way into this little mall to find a store, to find a plug. We're finally in there. We're on a time thing. And I'm th- the, it doesn't make any sense. It's the right plug. So what do you do when you don't know what to do with electronics? Look for a teenager. So he might have been 20s, early 20s. They're on the row behind. I said, hey, buddy. They're looking for dark glasses. I said, hey, can you guys help me for a minute? They come walking around. Liam is his name. Liam uses the F-bomb like a rap song out of the... I mean... What do you effing need? I said, I need a, this plug. And he's effing, what do you need an effing plug for? And that effing thing, are you, where are you effing from? And I'm, I'm from America, you know, what do you do? Before you know it, we're telling him about Jesus. He goes, I'm not an effing religious person. I don't know, effing this. And, and I said, well, you know, and, and we're writing a book and we're Job. I don't know who effing Job was. I've never heard of effing Job. And... and so I'm just, but we get a chance to share Jesus. So finally he gets the right place. He said, listen, if you write that F and book, you better put my F and name in there that I'm the F and reason. You got the F and plug to be able to use the F and computer so you can type the F and book. So I looked at him and I said, You can F and count on it. <laughs> Did he say that? We'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know. That'll be home movies in heaven. Did he really say that? (laughs) Liam, but if you thought through the odds of what it took, it took us 15 minutes to find the right parking place. But just, they were only going to be in there for two or three minutes. They'd get their dark glasses and go. God had that all ordained for us to find Liam and to share the love of Jesus. Just like you found that young girl and all the doors he shut and the rain came. And we think, and Kim and I are going to share story after story like that because you prayed for us and it was just a powerful powerful time so don't miss Thursday night it's going to be an effing good night so anyway am I in the right church Myrtle I don't know is this a church I'm not sure if it's a church I'm not sure what that word means but it's not nice Cover the children's ears. <laughs> Cover the children. That's why we have a children's ministry. <laughs> <laughs> it's PG-13 here. Okay. Acts. Stephen. What I want to talk to you about just briefly is, even though it's a lot of material, Stephen, when he, got, when he was born, you name kids back then with a prophetic sense of this is what I want my boy to be or my daughter to be, and they give them prophetic names. His mama, when he was born, she gave him the name Crown. She she just saw God had purposes for him. And and even at birth, whether your parents knew it or not or or were aware, God has purposes for you, even from birth. And so the crown that she saw, I'm sure she interpreted it to mean he's going to be a a world-changing leader He's going he's gonna to do this accomplishment. He's going to be this kind of. But God had a different plan for this young man. I want to give you a little bit of his background real quick. Some ground that's been covered while we were gone and preaching. But in Acts 6, they, they had problems with feeding of uh, uh, people, and they needed to organize the church. They needed some people that were willing to serve the tables and take care of the food and help the widows and those that were going, uh, being overlooked. And so they went, and, they, and, and the, the leader said, let's look for people that are full of the Holy Spirit. Look, just real quick so you can see the background in chapter 6 of the book of Acts where they're looking for these leaders. They say in verse 2, the 12 leaders gathered all the disciples together and said, it's not right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Now, the point there is not that serving is less spiritual than studying. But the point is is that you have to stay within your giftings. And the giftings of the leaders were to proclaim the word of God, lead and give vision and direction. Because if if a leader tries to do everything, they end up doing nothing. And so they needed people that had the willingness to be faithful and humble and servant-hearted, which is the heart of the vineyard. So we follow Stephen through this journey of, of where it ends with his martyrdom. I want you to think of you as an individual, but us as a church. And I, to me, he's a model of what we want to be as a church, what I want to be as an individual. So they look for people that were willing to serve the tables. Verse three it said, "Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit." And wisdom, and we'll turn this responsibility over to them. Now, full of the Spirit doesn't mean they walked around and, and bragged about being. Anybody that brags about being filled with the Spirit's not filled with the Spirit. Anybody that makes a big deal, this is just people that they could see Jesus in them. They were kind, they were loving, they were patient, they were willing to help, they're volunteering, they're generous with their time. They're gen- this is what we look for in leaders in our church. It's not the big wow giftings, it's the willingness to do whatever needed to help in the kingdom of God and that's Stephen. Now it mentions him a little further in chapter 6 verse 8 It says, now Stephen was a man full of God's grace and power. He did signs and wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Now you go from he's a servant-hearted, but he's not limited to that. In the kingdom of God, you're never limited to what your job is. or You're never limited to just just because he served tables doesn't mean the kingdom couldn't come out through him in powerful ways. And it did. He's not an apostle. He's a servant. He's a a, a man that just says, God, young man, that says, God, use me. So God's using him serving tables, which is just as important as working miracles. And we're not a church for one or the other. And it'd be easy to step back and say, we're just going to be a serving church. No, we pray for the sick. We believe God can heal today. We want to see God do signs and wonders. But at the same time, there are churches that that's all they want to feed on. We want to care for the poor. We want to be kind to people. We want to give out free hot dogs. We got a food truck that we go and give stuff. Well, you guys were out on the Fourth of July I looked at the weather. By the way, being in a country in the UK on the Fourth of July, not real exciting. (laughs) Nobody really cares about our Independence Day. (laughs) Anybody here got any fireworks? (laughs) They don't, you know, so anyway. So we, I looked in the weather, and I think the heat index was 107 degrees on the 4th of July. And we had people out serving and being kind to people, not preaching at people, telling them they're going to hell, but being kind to people, looking for an opportunity to, to bless our community. That's our church, like Stephen. We serve, but we also serve And the power of his spirit, we're not just a do-good community. We're not just a service organization. We're people that want the Holy Spirit, as so eloquently was said, uh, but not to put him in a box, but to say, Lord, here am I. Use me. Stephen's that guy. Now, when you put those two things together, serving and being willing to let the Holy Spirit do what he wants, you're going to stir up trouble. And that's what happens with Stephen. In verse uh, 9, it says, opposition arose. It always happens if you're doing something significant. And again, significant doesn't mean big, but you've made a commitment. Some of you youth have made a commitment to have quiet times and made a commitment to listen to the Holy Spirit, made a commitment to make some changes in your life. Expect opposition. Don't fear it. Just expect it. When you're on the devil's radar because you've made commitments, you're trying to grow, don't, don't be discouraged when you're getting blowback, when you're getting attacked because it happens we get attacked over the we've gone through my wife and I've had through so many spiritual battles leading a church because it's it's difficult in this culture to lead a church that's open to the Holy Spirit but that's not crazy about it you know how hard that is a church that believes in caring for social justice but knows we can't do everything we have to say no a lot of times to people It's part of our job as leaders to say, this is the course God's called us to run in. And not everybody likes that when you say, I always say to people, I know what, I'm your pastor, or Kim knows, or Pastor Jason, or Charles, or we know you're, we're your pastors the first time we tell you, no, and you listen to us. Do you know how hard it has been over the years to tell people, no, mainly baby boomers, Do you know how hard baby boomers is to tell them? I'm not talking about their personal lives as far as like what car to buy or job. I'm talking about when it comes to this church. I've had a guy one time, he's a retired cop, was in the church. His wife was into the Grateful Dead dancing. That was her ministry. She'd come in worship, and she'd do all these weird dances, and it was scaring people. And I told him, I said, you know, you're going to need to dial that in. That's just not our style. And he says, Who are you to tell me what to do? That's my wife's ministry. The Holy Spirit's leading her. I said, I'll tell you who I am. I'm the pastor of the church. And what I say goes under this roof. He didn't like it. He called the cops and said, I threw him out and hurt his shoulder. He tried to have me arrested. All I'd done is I put my hand on him to try to get him to calm down. I said, buddy, I'm not saying your wife's bad or wrong. I'm just saying it doesn't fit in our context. So we're trying to reach people that are far from God. You come in and see a Grateful Dead dancer in a church, you're like, man, this is weird. I'm out of here. It's weird to me. Now, some churches, they may like Grateful Dead dancing. That's okay. That's go do it there, but that doesn't fit here. We know who we are. So a lot of times, as Stephen, he had to stand up against things that are going to come at him because he knew what God had called him to do, who he was. So chapter seven is his response of being assaulted, accused of coming against Moses in the temple. The whole chapter seven is a brilliant read. It just gives you an overview of the whole Old Testament. He starts at Abraham and how God called him out, brings him to Isaac, his son, and then Jacob and then Joseph brings him into Egypt. They're in bondage. And then Moses arises, and then King David, King Solomon. And then he wraps it up with saying, hey, it's not about the building you meet in. It's not about your religious bondage. God's not limited to a building. And I just want to end, bring you up to the end of it, his message in chapter 7, verse uh, 48. However, the Most High does not live in houses made by men. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool, what kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hands made all these things? Then Stephen says this this isn't a really the way to, to win friends and influence people, uh, preaching wise. But he just, he's, there's something at stake here. He's not trying to offend people, he's not trying to be mean. He's trying to help people that are in bondage. They've, you talk about having the Holy Spirit in a box, they got God in a box, they got God trapped. He has to live in this building, do it this way with us, and we'll tell him how to do it. And, and, and Steve's like, no, no, no. There's something at risk here. Your souls are in danger. He, he's, 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 being a, he's trying to help these people. He's not trying to be mean at them. But he says, verse 21, he said, you're, you're being stiff-necked. You're, you're stubborn. You're like a, 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 a an oxen that you can't get a yoke on him because he bulls up his neck. He's, he's, you're resisting. You're, you're more worried about your pride than you are about what God wants to do. He says, you're just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. and you have to ask yourself in your heart, where is that? We all are guilty at times of, of not paying attention to what does God want? How does God want us to do it? It's not just my opinion or our feelings. It's what is God saying? What does God feel about this? Have you talked to him about it? Do you want his will more than your own will? So Stephen's challenging. Now this is, if people are humble and you correct them, they say, wow, that was painful, but thank you that you love me enough to tell me the truth. That would be a good response. And we've had that. If you know anything about our ministry, I'm not preaching to win friends and influence people. That's not my heart. Uh, Life's too short, too much at stake. I want people to know Jesus. We want a church that's a safe place to know Jesus. So therefore we tell a lot of people no, we're not going to do that. No, we're not going to emphasize that No, that's not who we are now. You might watch that on the internet You might read that in your own world your own life, but when it comes to this church Our small groups our youth our children. We're responsible Just like you as parents you're responsible what your kids watch on TV You're responsible what they do on their phone You're responsible that they get up and go to school You're responsible to protect them. That's a shepherd's job. What kind of pastors would we be if we just let anybody come among us and do anything they wanted to do spiritually, teach whatever they wanted to teach, direct the church? No, you can't do that. So we have to say at times to people that we love, no, that's not who we are. We're not going down that road. You can go down that road. You can go that road in your private business, but don't bring it into our church. If you don't do that, You become a watered-down church that stands for nothing. If there's anything we stand for in this church, is that God would be honored in all that we do and that people would come to know Jesus Christ. And that's Stephen's bottom line. He wants his friends to be set free. He wants them to experience the love of Jesus. But he had to confront them first. And when he does, it doesn't go well. Look what it says in verse uh, uh, after he confronts them. In verse 52, he says, was there ever a prophet your fathers didn't persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one, and now you have betrayed and murdered him. That's hard, but it's true. Truth can be painful, but it, it, sometimes it requires that pain in order to have the healing that's needed. In verse 54, when they heard this, they were furious. They gnashed their teeth. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven, saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open. Come on. Now, this is, you know, again, you may never have this experience of being persecuted to this level, but whatever hardship you come to, this is how you go through it. You have to look up. Stephen looked up. He's in the middle of a mob that's about to kill him. And what do you do? He looked up and he saw Jesus. I love this. He shouts out, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Listen to me. You know, all through the New Testament, after Christ ascended to heaven, he died for our sins, rose from the dead, was exalted to the Father's right hand. The Bible says he sat down. The book of Hebrews said after he made his sacrifice, he sat down. Because no priest in the Old Testament sat down. Because there's always another sacrifice. There's no more sacrifice after Jesus. Most of the scriptures that refer to Christ in heaven, like in the book of Revelations, he's seated. He's seated on the throne. This is radical. Something made Jesus stand. And I got to thinking about that. What makes Jesus stand up? Is there anything we do that makes him stand? Now, he stood up because his son stood up. He stood up because Stephen took a risk. I think he was standing up in Puerto Rico when they prayed over that little girl. He stood up. Said, that's my kids. I'm loving on that little girl through my willing. Said, Holy Spirit, use me people. Jesus stood up. See, Kim and I, our vision is to have a church that causes Jesus to stand up. Not because we're anything. Not because we have a building. Wow, look, we got a building. He doesn't stand up for buildings. He doesn't stand up for egos. He doesn't stand up for even numbers. He stands up for when somebody comes to Jesus and we ring that bell. He stands up. I'm just telling you, I can't prove it, but I believe it. I know he celebrates, but I believe from the Lord that he's pleased. I think when we went through Ian with this church, I think he stood up for this church. When we, when we fed 24,000 meals in one month, he stood up over this church. When we fought against those things that were coming in to bring hopelessness and despair, and we raised funds, and we helped people, and we were kind. I think he stood up. That's why October 1st, coming up, we're going to have a baptism. We're going to have a blowout party. It's going to be the one-year celebration of what God's done since Ian, how God took what the enemy meant for evil, and he's brought honey from the lion amen? amen he stood up is there anything you're doing they say "Well, I'm not you know I'm not on TV I'm not a big name I don't No, no there's times when you're on your knees and you're giving God your praise and you don't feel like it he stands up it says I'm with you I look he's not his standing up is his reaching out it's his saying to Stephen Stephen buddy I'm standing with you. I'm feeling every stone that comes upon you. I'm standing to strengthen you. I'm standing because I'm proud of you. I'm standing because I'm about to welcome you home. Welcome home. Is there anything better to hear that Jesus stood up when he found out you were coming home? Why? Because Stephen had a walk with God when nobody was looking. Stephen lived before an audience of one. It wasn't about the big crowd. In fact, all these people are an audience that hate him. And in the midst of that, Jesus stands up. I say, Lord, let us be a church that when we ring the bell, you stand up. When we invest in the next generation, you stand up. When we fight for a church that isn't gonna let politics split us apart, you stand up when we fight for a church that we want to see diversity and to do that it takes humility it takes people being willing to sometimes soften their opinions watch out for their attitudes he stands up when a church fights for its unity satan hates a church that comes into unity that doesn't mean we agree on everything that doesn't mean we vote on everything the same that doesn't mean we all like the same kind of music That means that we love the same God our eyes are lifted up to. He looked up and saw Jesus standing, standing at the right hand of the Father. And I love the end of this story. I love it. I say that, but it's horrible, but great. Verse 57, they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices. They rushed at him. Verse 58, they drug him out of the city. They began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. That's the purpose of this whole story. This is not Paul yet. He becomes Paul in chapter 9. This is a terrorist who's killing Christians in the name of God. Isn't it funny how religious people can be so mean in the name of being Religious, get okay, it? Amazing people in the name of the Holy Spirit can literally quench the Holy Spirit, and in the name of faith can beat you up with their faith, and and, and so here's Stephen. He's being pummeled with stuff. Wack wack. I mean, get, these are these are these are rocks. Now, he, you, you'll never find another person in the Bible that's more like Jesus in his dying than this first martyr. This is the first martyr. But it's all about this guy named Saul. One's dying so he can put seeds in one that's gonna rock the world. You might think, well, Stephen's life's wasted, it's cut short. Yeah, but he sows seeds in the heart of a radical that's going to write half the new testament plant dozens and dozens and dozens of churches and bring thousands of people to faith in Christ look what it says as they're pelting him with rocks in verse 59 while they were stoning him stephen prayed lord jesus receive my spirit there was all these he didn't say deliver me get me out of this he said i want to come home to you keep me safe keep me from fear keep me from what the enemy is trying to do to my soul, I, I thank God what I prayed this. In those dark moments of when people have hurt you, that's when the kingdom comes. and the, This is a miracle. This is as big a miracle as healing cancer. This is what happens right here. This is more than raising the dead. People that talk about, oh, we're going to see miracles and wonders and big bang. Here's a miracle. He forgives people that are mean, that are killing him. They're murderers. Look what it says. He says, Lord, receive. And this is the same prayer, two prayers, that Jesus prayed on the cross. Jesus said, Father, you know, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then verse 60. Then he fell on his knees, and he cried out, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Peace. Peace down. Stones racking him. Peace. Why? Because the Lord stood up, took him, brought him home. See, you might kill his body. You can't touch his soul. He's safe. But Lord, Lord, he prays for mercy. Wow. That's when I say, oh, God, so far to go. When people wound us and hurt us or hurt our children or hurt people we love or our or have a bad political attitude. And we want to hate. We want to be haters. Because we're right. And Jesus, here he was right. But he, if he hadn't prayed this prayer, listen to me. If he hadn't prayed this prayer of mercy and forgiveness, I don't know if Saul would have ever come to faith in Christ. If he would have hurled accusations. If he would have condemned him. But here's this guy watching, going, wow, what a miracle. He he doesn't know where to put it. It doesn't change him immediately. He goes on a rampage. It tells us in the next chapter, verses 1 and 2, he goes on a worse rampage. Sometimes things have to get darker before they get brighter. But then he comes to faith, and he never forgets Stephen. I want to close with one verse in the book of Philippians. It's It's Paul now, after he found Christ. It's Paul's way of saying, Stephen, your mama named your crown, and you are my crown. I've come in the kingdom because your testimony, your witness, your kindness, you showed me Jesus. Years later, he writes to a church that he's birthed and given his life for. Chapter 4, verse 1, he says this to the church. He says, therefore, my brothers and sisters whom I love and long for, you're my joy, and you're my Stephanos, my crown. Same, same word. You're my Stephen. Every time he looked at them, this wasn't him trying to compensate for the bad he did. That took the blood of Jesus. But this is taking your past and your pain and what was evil, those choices you made that were wrong, the things that you did that, were, that you, were, you regret, and God redeems them. He forgives them. He cleanses them. And now you have a motivation to be, to be God's messenger instead of what you used to be. You're something different now. And every time he preached the gospel and he called people to Jesus and somebody stood, he saw Stephen and he knew Jesus was standing. Another Stephen has come into the kingdom of God. What makes Jesus stand? It's not big stuff. It's faithful things. It's humble things. It's sacrifices. It's resisting evil when nobody's watching. It's doing the hard work. It's forgiving. You know, when you forgive somebody that's hurt you, Jesus stands and goes, yes, you're like me. You're never more like God than when you forgive people. Never more. You're never more like Satan than when you resent and hate people. Stephen. Stephen is just a simple man that said, Lord, here am I, use me. Crown. The first martyr. His mama never knew. He's going to be the first one to represent thousands to come that will suffer for the faith. Now, that may not happen in our lifetime, and it could, but it happens in different ways. Persecution and and attacks of the enemy, and and it's all the same. You have to look up. When you're down and beat down, look up. See heaven open. And there's Jesus. He's not going, what can I do? He's standing up. He's ready to strengthen you, protect you, fight for you, and welcome you. Into his arms. What makes him stand up? I just want us to have a church that makes Jesus want to stand up. Say, yeah, go for it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Whoever does it, whoever's here. This is a church that just wants to keep looking up, so he'll keep standing up. And when he stands up, good stuff happens. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's stand up together. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I just want to take a moment, and maybe there's someone here that you've never stood up for Jesus. You might have some faith inside, hidden, private, personal, but you've not made it public. Jesus said, if you stand up for me, I'll stand up for you. He's waiting on you to take that stand today maybe you can whisper this prayer with me between you and Jesus. Just Lord Jesus I I want to surrender my life to you. All of me. Because you gave all of yourself for me. Give me the courage Lord to stand for you. Now many of us have made that stand but boy we can pull back. We can can let the intimidation just squash us. The Lord just wants you to know he He stands with you when you stand for him. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, bless this time of commitment. Uh, Lord, just may there be one that takes their stand today. Maybe somebody online, Lord, that's listening, that needs to take their stand. Lord, give courage in Jesus' name.